0: Hello and welcome to the Comba podcast. I am, of course, your host, Rafi and I'm here with the fantastic David.
1: Hey. The Bay Max. There's such a fluffy kitty in my lap.
0: And the occasional Nick. He clapped.
1: Good. Whoa. That is all we're going to hear from him. <laughs> he, he made a noise. That's amazing. It's a start. It's Our a step. imaginary friend is coming to life. <laughs> Help. Help. Foster is home. Hello.
0: God, that cartoon. So, yeah, here on the Comba Fay podcast, uh, I talk about a comic book story these guys haven't heard about. And I explain it, and they say funny things in response to it.
1: Funny noises. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, (laughs)
0: ha, Generic laugh. A go. So, (laughs) today's story is uh, Superman for the Man Who Has Everything, which was written in 1989 by Alan Moore and uh, drawn by Dave Gibbons. Now, Alan Moore has a bit of of a history about him on this show. Alan Moore wrote The Killing Joke. He wrote Watchmen, which we haven't covered yet, but it's a big story, too. Mm -hmm. And he's well-known for being a hater of modern-day comics. On occasion, he will come out of his cave to talk shit about modern-day comics, especially comic books in the industry, basically. But back in 85, like all creators, like every artistic person, uh, (laughs) Alamore needed to eat. He needed a check. So he did a Superman story for DC. Originally, he wanted to do a Martian Manhunter story. And they told him, n- n- no, do, do a Superman story. He, he sells. Uh, so in 85, he did a Superman story. Now, there's a couple of important things to know about this. This story happened before the very first crisis. In D.C., when they want to reboot stuff and made, make characters younger, they have a crisis. The first one was Christ's Son Infinite Earths, which was 1987, I believe. And this was two years before that. It's only important because before the first crises... Superman was immeasurably powerful. The kind of powerful where writers gave him powers just for the convenience of the story.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Like, in the 30s, he could create a small, like, toy-sized version of himself in his hand that had equal power to him, and then send him out. Oh, that's me. He could shape shift his face by vibrating it so fast it would look like different faces. Like, Superman could do stupid stuff because it was the 30s and no one gave a shit.
1: Yeah, they also sneezed away a galaxy, don't you? That too, not. yeah. And now it's the two thousands and no one gives a shit, so
0: <laughs> Well, like yeah, it was eighty five and they were, DC was like leading up to Crisis, so they were taking their stories a bit more seriously. What's nice about this story is that there's like five important characters in it. Um, and, and there's kind of like two stories that are going on. So you open the Superman story, and it opens on Planet Krypton where an adult kal-el is walking home from work he goes into his house and his two kids his wife and his extended family are all there for his surprise birthday which on krypton is called first day now immediately you're reading this book and you're like wait a minute didn't like krypton blow up isn't that thing isn't that the thing everyone knows about krypton that it that it blew up why is Ka- why is superman on krypton why is it with family what's going on This is all an illusion in his mind. Um, Basically, he sees his family, and, like, you would think, like, oh, it's the perfect dream world, but, like, no. His dream world actually has problems with it. Basically, it goes by the logic of what if Krypton didn't blow up? And what that implies is that Jor-El, the scientist, the father of Superman, was wrong about his prediction. So, basically, everyone sees Superman's father as like a jackass mad scientist it was wrong.
1: Okay, so it does uh does that mean that Superman was not sent to Earth?
0: Or? No, yeah, it doesn't it means he wasn't sent to Earth. It means the planet was supposed to blow up but it didn't. Huh. So S- Superman as Kal-El so
1: Superman never became Superman. Superman. Yeah, as Kal-El,
0: he Pretty grew cool. up on Krypton. He grew up on Krypton. I think he became a reporter the same way he did on Earth. He still wears glasses the same way he does on Earth, but they're, like, like futuristic, like, visor glasses. And yeah. uh, and he has a wife and two kids. And, like, you're thinking, like, oh, this is all a figment of his imagination or whatever, but, like, no, in this reality, like, in his dream reality, he lived all these, these years. Like, he had 30 years of a lifetime on Krypton up to this point. Um, now, the thing I mentioned about Jor-El is, like, now he's outcasted. Now it's, like, if I went around saying that, like, 2013 was actually going to happen, everything was going to fall apart, and everyone believed me, and then it didn't happen, and I was picked on and made crazy. It's the same thing with Jor-El, because Jor-El, like, is seen differently by the people of Krypton, and by Superman's own family. Basically, everyone that's at the party for Kal-El is uh, a relative of his, the only person that isn't there is his father. Years prior, Kal-El's mother died on Krypton. Of, I think it was, like, some kind of, uh, food sickness, and jor wasn't invited to the party because, oh, wait, he was invited to the party, but he didn't show up because he has, like, political disagreements with some of kal uncles, which is such a thing of, like, wow, that, that's, <laughs> <laughs> like, of all the things to, like, put in the story, it's like, oh, okay, so not only is his dad a crazy guy, but he's also, like, politically against most of Superman's re- re- relatives. Okay. and that's what i mean when i said this dream world isn't perfect like it acts like the real world but there are flaws and people act like people even if it's an alien planet but that's what's going on there and we we snap back to reality oops there goes gravity in uh the antarctic <laughs> it's the antarctic and it's the fortress of solitude and in the 70s you had the superman movie by richard donner that movie was the first one to be like all right the fortress made out of crystals. It wasn't until, like, the 90s that the comics started doing that. So, at this point, the Fortress of Solitude was just a building in the Antarctic, just sticking out of nowhere. And the way you would get in, and I love this, you could only get into the Fortress of Solitude with a giant gold key that was so massive and so heavy, only Superman could lift it. So, he'd lift the key out of the snow, put it in the giant lock, twist it, put it back, go inside, close the door. No one else could get in there, because the key is too big oh. um later versions of that would be like it's a regular sized key but it's as dense as like a dying planet or something so you just pick it off the ground it's
1: like a mulnir.
0: yeah it's like mulnir, it's like the hammer because okay. you, you can't pick it up you have to be as strong as superman to pick up this tiny little key every time he puts it down it creates like a little crater under it um but we're at the fortress of solitude Batman, Wonder Woman, and Robin are going to the fortress, because in real life, it is Superman's birthday. And uh, <laughs> they go there, and it's funny because the Batplane lands, Batman and Robin get out, and then Wonder Woman just, like, appears out of nowhere, and, the Bat- and Batman is, like, unsurprised. Robin's like, what? where did she come from? And Batman's like, her invisible plane. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, Wonder Woman has an invisible plane for some reason.
1: Yep. Yeah? <laughs> They never explained that, didn't they? they?
0: They've tried, but no one cares or remembers. So, <laughs> I remember. It's so, an
1: invisible plane. So so, you won't need
0: <laughs> so it's 85, right? So you're thinking like, well, this can't be Dick Grayson Robin, because by then he was Nightwing. This is actually Jason Todd Robin, which is yeah. really rare. We never really talk about stories where the Robin is Jason Todd. I like Jason
1: Todd.
0: Because the most famous thing Jason Todd did was die. Um, <laughs> and then come back as an edgy, edge lord Batman. So, the other important thing is that Jason Todd wasn't a street punk until after the first crises. So, this is before Crisis on Infinite Earths, so Jason Todd is, like, basically Dick Grayson. Like, just like Dick Grayson, he's from a circus, his parents were killed by mobsters, and Batman took him in. There's no real, like, difference between Jason and, and Dick Grayson. So much so that when Wonder Woman sees him, she's like, oh... Dick, you're wearing the Robin costume again, and Batman's like, oh, no, this is my, my new Robin, Jason Todd, and she's like, oh, you, you look just like Dick, I, I mistook you for, and it's, it's kind of like Alan Moore's commentary of, like, they're basically interchangeable at this point, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, and it is, like, the first meeting between Jason Todd and Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman walks off, and, and Jason's just like, whoa, and Batman's like, uh, like, close your jaw, like a fly will get in there, or something like that, (laughs) So they go into the fortress, and like, it's locked, obviously they can't get in, they find some other way in there, I forget what it is, but when they get in there, they see Superman, and he's just standing in place, and when they go around him, he has a giant black plant, and planted into his chest, and this plant is called the Black Mercy. it's an alien plant, and it put him into this dream state, so like, they're trying to figure out like, you, are you're right, Superman, you got a you got butt you got a bu- bush on your body, come on, wake up, and they try pulling it off, and they can't do it, and, uh, <laughs> so, they turn around, and then, the Superman villain named Mongol shows up in the fortress, and Mongol, at that time, this is, like, his second appearance in comics, he's, like, he was created by, I think, Jim Starling, who also created Thanos, so, Again, they're basically interchangeable. The only difference is that Mongol runs an entire planet called Warworld, which is treated as like a gladiatorial planet. He basically he he literally drives a planet around. But Mongol came to the Fortress of Solitude, gave Superman this package, I think he left it for him and Superman just assumed that like it was a present by someone else, and so out of good nature he opened the box and the Black Mercy attached to Superman. And Mongol's explaining to Batman... Mongol like, crouches down. Because he's really tall. He crouches down to Batman on his knees. Like you're talking to a child. He's like, alright, so I captured Superman. Uh, I'm going to kill you guys. And then I'm going to take over the world. Like, he's explaining his plan to Batman so assuringly. And, uh, he's also like... How
1: much prep time does Batman get?
0: (laughs) None. He's... And Mongol's also like... Well, you're immortal. And, uh, Robin there is immortal. And Wonder Woman, you're a woman. So none of you are going to stop me. Like, it's... It's so heavy how much of an asshole Mongol is. Because Wonder Woman's like... <laughs> Mongol's like, alright, so... Which one he wants to die first? And Wonder Woman punches him in the face. And then he's like, thanks for volunteering. And they fight throughout the forces of solitude. And Batman's trying to get the plant off. But he can't. And, uh... Mongol and Wonder Woman... I can Wonder
1: picture Moon... them, like, fighting in the background. And the front... <laughs> and it's ba- just
0: Batman crazy. and Robin are just kind of looking at it spraying it with like shark repellent to see if that works yeah <laughs> but um they take like a snow shovel like <laughs> right that like Robin takes out like a little knife and just it's not working <laughs> cool. so yeah so Wonder Woman and Mongol are fighting and they end up in like the weapons room of all these confiscated alien weapons that Superman's collected over the years and Wonder Woman grabs like a huge ass cannon that goes over his shoulder and Mongol's like oh wow a plasma disruptor I, I didn't know they made those anymore uh, I would suggest, like, the, the Neuralizer over there. It's more of a woman's weapon. <laughs> it's more to the point. Of Mongols and ass. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Wonder Woman tells him to go to hell and then shoots him with the beam. And, of course, he's like, ah, I didn't do anything. <laughs>
1: nah, whatever.
0: Yeah, I'm the villain. <laughs> so, they keep fighting, and Batman's trying harder and harder to pull the plant off of Superman. And this is cool. As he's pulling the plant off of Superman superman's dream world is kind of coming apart but not literally like narratively so like things are becoming more fucked up in his dream world where (laughs) there's this whole political matter against the phantom zone because the phantom zone in superman comics is another dimension that acts as a prison, and people on krypton are against that like there's a subset of krypton who are like the phantom Zone's fucked up it's like another plane of existence that you're setting criminals into it's worse than like regular correction centers and during the riots and everything there's like literally like the ku klux klan but like in red right and they're the people that are against the phantom zone they're rioting in the streets and while they're rioting they they trample over uh who would be supergirl because supergirl in the comics is superman's cousin so because krypton never exploded both of them are still on krypton and she's still like a teenager and she gets hurt by all these, uh, all these rebels or whatever, and she's put in the hospital. And then like, uh, Jor El, Superman's dad, is still like running from the rest of the family because he's like, not only did I fail the planet, I I can't stop like the rebels and everything because he he puts all this on himself. Where it's like if it wasn't for me, no one would hate me and there wouldn't be any political matter. And it's Superman's just like during that rally on the streets of those red KKK guys. Um, Superman's in his car, or kal in the car with his, his son, Val. And Val's like, oh, what's that, Daddy? And, and Kal's like, it's, it's a parade, son, don't look. <laughs> he drives around, and he like, drives past the city limits. Because somewhere in his mind he knows something's wrong. Something's not like going right in my world. And he goes to the city of Kandor. And I mentioned this before, off podcast. Kandor was the city that Brainiac took off of Krypton. Before Krypton exploded, Brainiac just swooped down, plucked the city, put it in a bottle, and then flew off. Uh, this happens here; they drive to Kandor, and literally around the city limits is just a crater—no city, no people. Superman doesn't know what the hell is happening. And again, as the story is going on, Batman's getting closer and closer to pulling the Black Mercy off, and more of Superman's figment is coming apart. Um, and there's really like a touching moment with. Superman, because he kneels down with his son Val, and he's like, "Val, listen, I don't think this world is real." And Val is like, "What are you talking about, Daddy? you're scaring me?" And And Cal's and like, "God what help me. Fuck? God help me, son. I don't think you're real." And they hug and they embrace until the, like a white light shatters the world, and, and Cal is plucked out of his perfect life, uh, because at that point, Robin figured out. Cause I think... Oh, that's what it is. Batman had taken the gloves that Mongol was wearing. They all thought, like, alright, they're just gloves that Mongol wears, but it's like they're actually specifically designed to touch the Black Mercy.
1: Okay.
0: Like, they're specifically designed because no one else can put the, pull the Black Mercy off unless you're wearing these gloves. Batman pulls the Black Mercy off of Superman, and when he does that, Superman snapped out of his, uh, his dream world. And then, <laughs> immediately, the Black Mercy attaches to Batman. So now Batman's paralyzed, Robin's trying to help him out, and Superman looks up at Robin and he goes, who did this to me? And Robin's like, that guy, points at Mongol, and Superman, again, faster than a speeding bullet.
1: I just like, I just picture like Superman, yeah. all animated, just like, who did this to me? And Robin's just like, <laughs> it was him? And he goes like, up. Yeah, you know, like, is the whole like puffy
0: cheeks. <laughs> puffy energy. cheeks, like all, all like cute angry. Yeah. Who oh, did just tell me? Gosh dang it, Mongol! I have a few choice words for you. Uh, you got
1: some splaining to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Superman fights Mongol, and again, it's it's pretty it's pretty hard because these are two super powerful alien people, and during the fight, Mongol like picks <laughs> picks Superman up by the head. And then Superman, he doesn't yell this; he just says this. He says, "Burn." His eyes glow red, and he just shoots heat vision over Mongol, like sending him far away. And uh, I think Wonder Woman gets back up to like get back in the fight too. But as they're fighting, Robin is like, "Shit, I gotta get the thing off of Batman. What do I do?" And he picks up the giant gloves and he puts them on. It's funny because it's Robin, this kid with giant ass gloves. And then it attaches to Robin! Oh, yo! Whoa! No, Jason Todd at that time wasn't interesting enough to warrant that scene. Um, But we we do get a flash of what Batman had gone through on The Black Mercy. In his perfect dream world, uh, instead of that guy... Was it John... Joe Chill. Instead of Joe Chill killing his parents, Thomas deflects the gun, beats the shit out of Joe Chill. Bruce Wayne grows up, marries a beautiful woman, has kids gotham is like a paradise (laughs) and then when the when robin pulls the black mercy off batman's like oh it was all a dream and he passes out because it's like superman's super powerful so that experience wouldn't knock him out but batman's still just a guy so he falls unconscious and uh and then i think robin yeah he has the black mercy he's like oh man what do i do it's gonna attach to me he takes off one glove and then just shoves the black mercy into that glove (laughs) he's like all right cool I did Jason
1: it. Todd, the smart
0: one. Yeah, Robin. I saved the day. <laughs> no one's not it coming. Uh, but Superman and Mongol are fighting, and then Mongol here is like, "Excuse me, I think you dropped this." And Robin tosses the Black Mercy onto Mongol, so Mongol is paralyzed, and the three heroes are just like, "Woof, neat." And again, it goes from like being serious and like dark and interpersonal to just being like, "Whoa, well, that was crazy, huh, gang?" Whoa! Whoa <laughs> what are you gonna do about that guy? It's, it's just like uh, I don't know, maybe I'll toss him into space at some point. I don't know. Man, I had my my perfect life presented to me and then ripped away. Boy, what was that? That was crazy. Oh huh. boy. What about you, Batman? Batman's like, yeah, I had, uh, my mommy and daddy were alive, and my, I got laid, married to Whoa, a pretty lady. Oh, that's definitely a fantasy. They <laughs> laughing. That'd be kind of fucked up, though, to see what would
1: happen if, like, Single Batman's parents never Batman. died.
0: And, like, and Wonder Woman is like, I wonder what would happen if it attached to me. And it's like, no, you don't want to wonder that. It's this fucked up thing. And, uh, Robin's like, and I saved everyone. And they're like, hey, whatever, Robin. And, um, and because it's the birthday, uh, Batman and Wonder Woman had brought in gifts for, for Superman. Woman brought a bottled city of kandor like a replica because at that point instead of being in a bottle kandor was like between dimensions so it was disappearing and reappearing in space um but to honor that city superman like already had a replica of the bottled city of kandor so basically it's like buying someone something they already have and superman Woman doesn't know that superman already has this replica uh, bottle and he and superman's like oh, thanks, that's just great, and then in between saying, that's just great, he, this is how fast he is, runs away from his sentence, goes to, like, his hall, where he already has a bottled city, puts it in the closet, hides it, then comes back to his sentence. Like, that's just great, I know just where to put it. And none of them know, like, he switched them out, so that no one knew he already had a bottled city. And, uh, Batman has a flower for him, but it's a special flower. It's he, a kryptonite flower. No, Batman. That it's the Black flower. Mercy. But that in is
1: flower form. That is
0: horrible. You would think he'd be like, "I got this flower for you."
1: <laughs> um,
0: but like, Batman hired botanists to like specially crossbreed a very special rose, and it's one of a kind. And he's like, "I called it the Krypton, because it, it's just like you. It's one of a kind." But it got crushed during the fight, and like very uncharacteristically, Superman's like, "That's good. It's fine." Maybe, maybe Krypton deserved to be destroyed. And it's like, alright, man. What are, you, what are you talking about? And, like, Wonder Woman also gives Superman a kiss, like, on the face. And, uh, Superman's on the face. like, on the face. On the lips. And, uh, <laughs> Superman's like, wow, that was that was nice. Why don't we do that more often? And Wonder Woman's like, I don't know, maybe it's because it would be too cliche. And it's funny because you fast forward to 2011 and the new 52, Superman and Wonder Woman were banging. And it, and it was cliche. Um but yeah, the story ends on like they're like, I wonder what Mongol sees in his fantasy world and again, with a weird ending, uh it shows Mongol having killed the four heroes and is like being carried by like a, like human slaves upon a destroyed earth <laughs> and like and that was the end of the story, right This was basically received as one of the best Superman stories because it's short and simple and it has an interesting idea to it. This idea has been done various times throughout all kinds of media. Like, the Black Mercy's been brought back. Mongol's been around for a while. They actually did an episode of the Justice League animated series based off this, uh, this one comic. They made a couple of differences. Like, Robin isn't there because they couldn't use Robin because of legal yeah. issues. Um, <laughs> and, like, when Batman gets hit by the Black Mercy in the cartoon, instead of seeing his whole life, like, be perfect, he has this vision of, like... Thomas Wayne stops the gunman, beats him up, and just keeps beating him. So it's like, Batman's fantasy for being in a perfect dream world is just his dad beating up a gunman over and over and over. And little Bruce Wayne is just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Get him, dad. Over and over again. Um, Also in the animated version, Wonder Woman is the one that gives him the flower, and Batman gives Superman cash. And everyone's like, why why would you give Superman cash? He gives him, like, a thousand bucks or something. And Batman's defense is like, well, what do you get for the man who has everything? Uh, that's the name of the, the, name of the story, guys.
1: Neat. I get ah. it. Ah. Not really.
0: Not really. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It's, again, this is a, a story that they keep bringing up. They actually did a story like that in the recent Trinity book, where Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are all possessed by the Black Mercy... And it was a plan done by Bongle who teamed up with Poison Ivy, because hey, it's a plant. So, yeah, they've reused this story a bunch of times, but that is basically Superman for the man who has everything. Max, what did you think about this story?
1: So, I think the Black Mercy sounds like a super awesome thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's really cool uh, in concept, but it's also kind of, like, weird, because it's... Very obviously a double sided. or, yeah, a double sided bleeder or whatever.
0: hmm. It's like. It's like you got everything you wanted, but you also can't move, and it's just a dream.
1: Yeah, and then also, like, you take the gloves and take it off, but then it attaches to you.
0: <laughs> you gotta be like, really careful. You gotta keep it at arm's length. The problem yeah. is that Batman just took it off, like, oh man, look at this, like, <laughs>
1: oh! <laughs> Fucking Batman. He's what'd autistic.
0: You, what'd you think, uh, David?
1: I like it. It kind of raises the question of, like, what would the other superheroes' lives would be like if they never, you know... Became superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, I want to see this on Flash. I want to see this on Hal Jordan. Mm-hmm. I want to see this on this person. It's, I thought... It's, it's, it's interesting. And it
0: was interesting that, like, it's not even fake. Like, he it, for him, he lived a real life and actually had a son. He was there for his son's birth. And then to be like, son, I don't think you're real. Dad, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why do you say these things? Uh, Why
1: do you do these things you do?
0: <laughs> Nick, did you want to talk or what? just give it a thumbs up? What do you want to do here?
1: Oh, well, actually, this isn't the first time I've heard of the Black Mercy. Okay. I actually first saw it on the Justice League animated series. and mm-hmm. It was one of my favorite episodes. Right on. So, like, the Black Mercy is one of the most... It's honestly... It's probably, like, the strongest thing in the universe. Mm-hmm. Like
0: a, Yeah, it can attach to almost anyone.
1: It can attach to anybody. Like, it puts Superman, like... Practically, not on his knees, but, like, out of, he's out of standing up. <laughs> he's out of commission. Yeah,
0: figuratively, he's on his knees.
1: <laughs> so, like, if some villain was to amass, like, a lot of them, and just somehow just keep throwing able them. to, like, to stop, boop, 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 boop. Like you're in a take, fantasy world. You're in a fantasy world. You take that uh, Justice League movie where the guy uh, used all of Batman's plans to defeat every Justice yeah. League member, and then they put the Black Mercy on Batman, Yeah. then it would have been over. Yeah. yeah.
0: Or, you know, a bullet. A bullet would also stop Batman. I mean, yeah.
1: yeah. How much prep time he
0: has? <laughs> How much prep time does he
1: have? He'll block 0. that Point zero bullet. four seconds to
0: prepare That's for his gun. Mess.
1: He's got this. He moves around the bullet. Uh, does the guy take the gun out of his pocket? <laughs> he takes <laughs> out. His, That's enough time. He takes. Uh, he takes out his anti-gun gun.
0: <laughs> takes out his gun repellent he spray. The it's just mace. In <laughs> actuality, Batman is the bullet. Oh. Whoa! Sprays Walk himself with heart. gun repellent That's spray. That's symbolic. No, Batman, don't cover yourself with with, uh, with shoe gloss. That's that's and not imagine okay. Imagine if
1: Batman became something he hated, so it became a gun. Instead of a bat. Yeah, got gun-themed. Gun yeah, you'd think, because it's like, oh, It's just I'm, like a walking gun. I became the thing I feared. A walking <laughs> a, gun. Which one would win? A sword with a gun or a gun with a sword? <laughs> and then he's Gunman and Robin's bullet. <laughs> His cape is made out of bullets. Bullets. Batman, that's fucking dumb. Also, I mean, gunman, that's that, fucking that episode... A gun with a gun That sword. episode
0: of uh, Just the Game, it, it's one of the only times Alan Moore has, like, been okay with his story being adapted. Like, he doesn't like the Watchmen movie. He doesn't like, like, the Killing Joke animated movie. Alan Moore, like, the only thing he likes is that adaptation of the Superman story on the Justice just the animated show. Which is, like, cool, but it's also like, Alan Moore, nothing fucking impresses you. Don't go back in your case. All
1: the, all you hipster kids with your young Spider-Gwens and your squirrel girls break kin- real comics I wrote freaking kin- badass Harley Quins <laughs> yay!
0: but yeah uh, that is Superman for the man who has everything uh, from DC Comics I hope you guys enjoyed it we had a fun time here thank you all for listening so much and we will be saying goodbye bye, bye. be sure to check out panelbuyer.blogspot.com panelbuyer.podbean.com and look for the panelbuyer on Facebook and Twitter the panelbuyer is also on YouTube and on iTunes